0: Welcome into the It's You World podcast, Tom Hackett, Steve battle with you guys. Um, last episode of the year, I, I believe, I, I, I just, I think we're going to take next week off if that's all right with, with everybody out there. Um, it is Christmas time after all the football season's over, there's no more games and that's predominantly what we talk about on this podcast. So I do hope you guys understand we may take a week off and I hope you'll allow us that opportunity to spend time with our family <laughs> and uh, and not worry about. The happenings of Utah athletics and Utah football. But regardless, Steve's with me. Uh, we've got a big show as we do hopefully every week. Uh, this 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 podcast brought to you by Nate Wade Subaru, and They've got their Share the Love event happening now until January 4th, where they're donating a ton of money to local charities around the area. They'd love to see you uh, in person or, or have you check out their website, Um And they are uh, essentially the, the the power behind the light that this podcast produces so without them uh this wouldn't be possible and we thank them a ton um check steve out while i'm while i'm at it at s 247 on twitter you can you can see my work at uh, at tom can't but steve before we get started how you doing my man
1: Bro, I'm in a little bit of a fog still from last week. It was—it's been a hectic time uh, for all of us that uh, that that cover Utah football, and you know, it's it, but it's an exciting time to say the least. Um, uh, pretty crazy considering everything that's happened. The, the victory on Saturday over Washington State was just yeah. wild, and and we're gonna dive into that, I'm sure. But uh, you know, obviously recruiting and, and all types of stuff. So it's been uh, it's been been pretty crazy but man it's uh it's good to be with you tom
0: it's, it's good to be with you steve and and you hit the nail on the head there we'll, well obviously let's start with with utah and washington state because that was an absolute doozy of a game to watch uh and, and to be quite frank a great way to end the season i i would say as well uh, and then of course the the transfer news yeah. you know there has been a ton of transfers we've had uh signing day going on so we got we, we we have a better understanding now of what the class the utah football class looks like and i know we touched on that last week but you know, it's, it's probably worth to just just recap a little bit as to what's going on there. Um, uh, and then, of course, not just players transferring, but news broke this morning that, that Carl Brennan's going to be leaving the athletic department, which I'm sure many people out there listening to this podcast don't think much, much of. And that's OK. That's fine. He, he wasn't, um, I guess he wasn't like this, the face of the Utah athletic department, right? That's Mark Harlan, mm-hmm. But boy, did he play a significant role in, in 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 everything that went on up there on the hill, so uh, probably worth a, a few minutes of conversation um, yeah. uh, with Kyle. But I guess Steve, we'll start with Utah, Washington State, the Cougars. You were at the game. Let just walk me through mm-hmm. your experience. Um, I haven't seen or I can't remember a game, a Utah football game, that was quite like it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh... <laughs> Just and and from the simple fact that you know Utah's had success you know over the last few years where they've kind of avoided these kind of games where it's just ugly and you know it, it's it, it looks just awful you know I remember calling Kendra at halftime and just being like you know what am I doing here <laughs> like I'm I'm just kind of wasting my time um, but you know it was twenty eight to seven. At halftime, and uh, and just before halftime, you know Jake Bentley throws an interception, and it was an interception that he absolutely should not have thrown. It was very, <laughs> very basic, you know, coverage, and that, um, and and, and yet Drew List comes in, and and it just felt different from the moment he stepped on the field. There was just a different feel, a different vibe that was noticeable you know, from the booth and and I'm sure it came across as for for those watching from home that it was just he just had a different level of 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 uh of what's the word I'm looking for? Composure. Um, composure. Yeah. I was thinking demeanor, but that was not the word composure. Where, you know, he was he was patient in the pocket. He wasn't rushed. He wasn't hurried. Uh, he, he, you know, he was just out there and, and cool and collected in the pocket. And what's, and, and, and I think that had a big effect on the rest of the guys where, you know, they weren't, drew Lisk didn't come in and, and light the world on fire, but he provided a presence that capitalized on opportunities. He was, he got some fortunate bounces, you know, where you know, he threw a bad ball and, and to basically, you know, Washington State's uh, defenders' hands, and and you know, it bounced to the turf. But, um, but man, it just felt different from the moment that Drew List came into the game, and, and then Utah kind of got going, and and that comeback was so incredible and and fun to see the the energy from the guys pick up, you know, particularly on the defense side of the ball. So, man, it was you know. It, you're a little worried that guys came into the game a little bit checked out, you know, on the season that they just wanted to kind of get home. And, you know, it's it's tough. It was tough to see that, but they came out in that second half com- looking completely different and like the Utah football team that we're, we're used to watching over the last few years.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And um, to add to that, Steve, I think it's probably worth noting this Utah football team led by Kyle Whittingham was, uh, was Owen to start of the season. And they ended with uh three game unbeaten streak to hopefully gave, give them some momentum into, into next year. Um, and, uh, and boy, who, who who knows essentially kind of what the future holds for Utah athletics in 2021. I think they've established, um, well, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it the best running back in the conference, uh, maybe the best yes. freshman running back in the entire country. Um, Ty Jordan is an absolute wizard. He's a superstar in the making. He's, through five games, earned himself a ton of money already. Uh, I'm not going to be, you know, beat around the bush here. I mean, he he is a sensation. And I don't want the expectation yeah. to be overly high for Ty Jordan because there was no expectation coming into this season. But I think after five games, uh, the expectation certainly higher than it once was for Jordan uh, and if he can continue to deliver, then that's all Utah can ask. I mean, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, for, so I do apologize. But, you know, he clocked in at 150 yards a game for, I, I want to say, most of most of the season. I mean, if it wasn't 150, yeah. it was 130, and it was close to it. I mean, he and he's a threat in, in different ways, and that's what I love about him. I love watching him. If he's in the backfield... You, you know, he's, he's a chance to, to break one for 80 yards. He's got breakaway speed. Safeties can't catch him if they're coming across the other side of the field. You can put him in the slot and he's shifty and he's dynamic and he's fast and explosive. He has good hands. Uh, and then, of course, when he's in there to pass protect uh, in the backfield, I mean, he look, he's undersized. There's no question, Steve, but he, but he does everything he can to just stop the momentum from a linebacker coming downhill. Uh, and that 's stuff that you just can 't teach i 'm sorry you just can 't it 's a mentality you have it or you don 't uh, or you learn over time to to have it and and he has it as a true freshman. Coming out of high school, I, I really do think. And then, you know, to, to put kind of the icing on the cake, I think specifically in that Washington State game, when the, when the game was still quite tight in the third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, he had a handful of touchdowns in that second half, and you know, he didn't he didn't celebrate really. I mean, you know, he had right. the whole like LeBron like LeBron James kind of you know, that thing he does with his hands, where he kind of just like <laughs> yep. settles the crowd down a little bit. Although LeBron does yeah. it in a in a little more explosive manner with with it, with the hope of uh, getting attention and uh, and right. r- riling up the crowd, you know. So I guess, long story short, I mean, he, he just seems calm, and it's like he yeah. expects to score touchdowns. He expects to go for 140 yards a game. It's just uh, true freshmen. They they shouldn't be that mature. They shouldn't be that good. They really shouldn't. Uh, and he yeah. is, and and so I think he's he's a he's a he's a talent, my man. And I I just am so excited to see him in 2021. I think the offensive line developed too, Steve. I think they got better over the course of the year I think under Jim Harding the narrative now is that they start slow and that's going to be something they need to work on this offseason is they've got to come out the gates faster they've got to be better earlier Mm -hmm. in the season because they've been bad you know at the start of the season now for for a handful of years on the trot so that's something that's concerning but as the year goes on they look better and better and better which is positive uh wide receivers I thought lived up to expectation defense I think uh, was was ahead of expectation. Carl Whittingham mentioned that a few times throughout the five-game season where that, that young defense, Nate Ritchie, I thought was special. Steve, um, Clark Phillips showed his ability, especially pick six to win the season against Washington State. That's always great. Nephi Sewell, Steve, I thought was really, really, really good. And he's going to have competition to keep his spot with, uh, what's his name, Cal- Calvin, what's his name from uh, the four-star? out of Ethan, Cal- Calvert. Ethan yeah, Calvert. Ethan Calvert, thank you. So I think Ethan Calvert's yeah. going to fight Nephi Sewell for his uh, linebacking spot. I don't think Devin Lloyd goes anywhere. He's, uh, he's, he's an NFL-caliber talent, in my opinion. But And the defensive line is the defensive line. Vontae Davis, Steve, I know I'm rallying through these players, but Vontae Davis at <laughs> the safety spot. Was yeah. Does he have another year of eligibility, or is he done?
1: He does. No, he's so again. He he benefits. Yeah, he benefits from uh, the uh, the eligibility freeze. So he oh, he right. is a senior this year, but but he'll be back next year.
0: Man, he was so fun to watch. He was. He just was flying was. around. You know whether he was picking off balls uh, or making big hits. Yep. I mean, he threw himself around. He did what was required. I thought he was fun to watch. And I think look, the only the only concern um, going into two thousand and twenty one. Um, would be in for me, there's two. I need the offensive line to start faster. Um, because without a good offensive line, you've heard me on this podcast talk about it without a good offensive line, it doesn't matter who you have in the backfield or who you have at the skilled positions on offense. If you can't block, whether it be run or pass, then you just won't have enough time to do much. Uh, and so I need, you know, we need them to start fast, no question. But but the B one, Steve, is obviously the quarterback position. Jake Bentley's entered the transfer portal. He his his future at Utah is is all but over. Over just one half of the season, I guess, is what I'll call 2020. Uh, Cam Rising's returning, which is exciting, but it doesn't sound like he's going to have much of a play in spring ball with, with the injury he suffered to his shoulder, the labrum uh, requires more time. So he'll be back in the fall, but he's had enough time for him to, to, to begin yet another competition to win over the coaching staff. And then Charlie Brewer from, uh, from, from Baylor, he's had a four year career. I was looking at his numbers. I'd love also when I'm done, talking and I know I talk a little too much Steve but when I get done finally I'd love for you to go through these recruits the two guys who's the kid from Texas remind me his name it's like Jaquinta what Jaquinta Jackson yep
1: Jaquinta Jackson Jackson.
0: uh he's another four-star cat that I again so I looked at Charlie Brewer's numbers I haven't looked at Jackson's numbers out of Texas I don't know if Jackson's played you can tell me that in a minute but Brewer looks like um what I worry about Brewer is his freshman year he was superb and you look at the numbers and and the percentage the completion percentage which in my opinion is the most important number of them all uh his 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 completion percentage has gone down over the course of the four seasons he's played at baylor so or three or four however many it is so that's certainly a concern for me steve but what do you make of this this trio of quarterback i guess i can't look i can't not mention Peter Costelli. He's a four-star kid. He's going to have every right to to prove his worth and see if he can win the job. So, look, there's four guys, and they're all four former four-star players coming out of high school that are going to be competing for this starting quarterback job. They're pretty cool, man, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No, it's it's incredible, and uh, it's incredible how quickly Utah was able to address uh, the quarterback position. Um, You know, it was signing day. It was the first day of the signing period. Uh, you know Utah signed their class. They signed 18 kids. Uh, they welcome back two missionaries. Obviously, the the name there is Ethan Calvert, the headliner, and then also Peter Costelli, the four star talent. And so, you know, on Wednesday, uh, future is looking great, right? You're you're adding these kids. You're excited that that it's official, and and uh, and the program's officially welcome them to the program. And so, you know, things are feeling good. Thursday, you know, question pops up during uh, Kyle Whittingham's press conference for the signing class. And, you know, the, the situation has brought up that maybe Utah is only going to have one scholarship quarterback competing in spring ball and, and just how concerned, uh, uh, that, that would be for Utah. And it was, it was interesting. Uh, if you go back, you can watch the, the video of Whittingham, like, he made the comment like, yeah, I think we've, I think we've got a plan. I think there's a pretty good chance that we'll be good to go. You know, that we'll have a good situation by spring ball. And lo and behold, maybe what 72 hours later, cause that was Thursday, 72 hours later, they had a four star talent in Jaquinda Jackson from, from the university of Texas. Uh, he was, you know, and, and this is, this is a different level, right? So Peter Costello is a four star talent. But JaQuinnon Jackson is a different level. He was a top 100, top 50 type player in the class in 2020. So, you know, Clark Phillips was was rated, I think, the number 50 overall prospect in the 2020 class. JaQuinnon Jackson was rated 73rd in the same class. So kind of gives you an idea of where JaQuinnon Jackson was rated as a prospect uh, he was very highly thought of. He's a big athlete. And I think that's kind of the the thing here is Texas is making some changes on the offensive side of the ball. He was he was recruited there to play quarterback primarily, but there was uh, you know the chance that maybe he moves position, potentially safety, potentially linebacker. He's a big kid at 6'2, 230 pounds, but he runs a 4'6, and you see it on film. He's a freak athlete for his size, but, uh, Texas, uh, it's, it's not confirmed, but the rumor is that Texas asked him to move positions. And that's what led to Jackson's official decision to leave the university of Texas. So Utah's bringing him in as a quarterback. And honestly, like, I love the fit. There's a relationship between Jackson and Ty Jordan, which is great. You know, you that's a great relationship to have between quarterback and running back. They were committed to Texas for a period of time. And so they've got a friendship, they've got a bond and that's going to help Jackson in his transition to to Utah. Um, And really, you know, if, if there's a comparison to make, he's kind of a mix between and, and, you know, I don't want to, I make this comparison simply on the basis of how he looks as a prospect. I'm not making a comparison in terms of, You know, what I expect to see from him and what he achieves, but simply how he looks to give you an idea. He's somewhere between Cam Newton and Dak Prescott, just to get again, just to give you an idea of what he looks like as a prospect. He's again, a big guy, big comparables, right? In terms of the athleticism, how he moves on the field, those kind of things that gives you an idea of the type of athlete that that Jackson is. He's he's raw as a passer. Um, there's there's no doubt about it and that's kind of the thing you're bringing him in here with the understanding that it's going to take him a little time maybe to get up to speed in terms of typical quarterback play but in terms of what he brings to the field immediately he's a big time athlete that can contribute in in power yardage situations if you want to utilize him there Um, which again is an area where Utah needs to improve and when You want to win and and win consistently and win big games. Every one of those situations matters. And so now you address, you bring in a kid that can help you in those power yardage situations if you need to utilize him. Um, So a tremendous talent, a lot of potential. He's got some work to do, but a lot of potential um, with Jackson. And then Charlie Brewer, it's it's not too often that you hear a four-year starter is transferring to finish his career that that'll never happen again, because (laughs) he's, he's played his entire career. The only reason it's happening is because, you know, is obviously this eligibility freeze. So Brewers played four years as a starter. He started as a true freshman, uh, had a great sophomore and junior campaign. He's the second all time leading passer at Baylor with 9,700 yards. That's an incredible mark. Uh, he comes from a football family, the Brewer name in the state of Texas, specifically in Austin, Texas, which is where he's from. His father, his grandfather, and I think even his great-grandfather played quarterback at Texas. So that mm-hmm. kind of gives you an idea of the family genes and and all of that. The Brewer family is a big name in the state of Texas. So, uh, and with each of these kids, it's it's going to be fun to kind of see what this means down the road. Because, Jaquinnon and Jackson and, and Charlie Brewer both come from big programs, big high school programs in the state of Texas. Jackson from Duncanville, uh, which has won, I think, multiple state championships in the last couple of years. And then Lake Travis, where they've produced guys like uh, uh, they had a quarterback sign this year. They had what's the, the Baker Baker Mayfield. He's from Lake Travis. So they've produced a lot of talent over the years. Um, So it's good to get into those programs. Obviously when I watch film on Brewer, uh, because he's the only one that we really have film on um, in terms of what he's done at college Brewer, he's, he's, I think, I don't want to make the comparison to Bentley, but he's kind of that type in, in terms of what he's bringing to the table is setting the bar um, for, for the program and for the position. Right. So, Great, great, a lot of production. But I think the difference between Brewer and Bentley is that Brewer is a little bit more patient in the pocket. He's not as erratic. Uh, that <laughs> That's the biggest difference is like Bentley, he'll make a great throw, a good throw, a horrible throw, and then another horrible throw. And it's just like it's all over the place. Sometimes he's throwing behind guys. Sometimes he's throwing in front of guys. That was kind of the issue with Bentley throughout his career. Whereas Brewer, similar accuracy numbers in terms of completion percentage, but in terms of the misses, they're not as erratic, if that makes sense. So um, he's going to keep you on on track. He's going to keep you on course. He's going to keep you on pace. If you've got a good team, Charlie Brewer is a guy that can keep you, um, you know, ahead of the chains. He can keep you on, on schedule and, and keep you winning big games. I don't think he, that he's an elite quarterback that can elevate a program, Um, I do think Jaquinn and Jackson and Peter Costelli are those types of talents. I think Cameron rising is that kind of talent. I think Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback that is better with a good team around him. If that makes sense as well. So really love, really love the addition of, of Costelli Jackson and, and Brewer because of the message that it sends to the receiver group. Like, look, You went through it this year. We get it, guys. We get it, Brian. We get it, Solomon. We get it, Britt, Brant, Cole. All of you guys. We get it. Like you guys, (laughs) you know, you stuck through it with us. We're gonna, you know, we want to get this thing fixed. And I think that's kind of the message, at least that I get from from these two edition, from these three editions, really, with Costelli, Jackson, and and Brewer.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I look, Steve. I don't want to end. The podcast on a sour note by any stretch of the imagination but if you are listening to this podcast you know my message to you would be pretty simple um I think what we learned in 2020 specifically as it relates to Jake Bentley you know many people thought he was going to be the starter uh, they thought he was the real deal you look at his numbers South Carolina 33 games 33 starts captain through for a bunch of yards in the SEC had success against some of the best defenses in the entire nation, you know, and then he comes to Utah and you're like, well, what, what is going on? Like he, he, even against Washington state, right. There were throws, Steve where he Simple mesh combinations for crying out loud or a slant rat, you know, a throw that doesn't yeah. need to go more than seven yards, eight yards. And he's throwing it behind these guys bad. Like, Two yards behind to the point where they can't okay. even get a hand on the ball, and so you just start to think like, well, what, what's happening? So I think what, what what we need to understand as a fan base at Utah is a, a successful quarterback like like the Alex Smiths of the world, the Brian Johnsons of the world. And you can even throw Tyler Huntley's name in that in that boat. I think like it's incredibly difficult to succeed as a quarterback at the University of Utah. Now, for whatever reason, that's just, that. in my opinion, that's the nature of it. And it, I, if you want me to be 100% honest, and this is a hard conversation, but it's how I feel, I don't know if Kyle Whittingham understands how to manage quarterbacks. I just don't think he gets it. You have to manage them differently. Every position group needs to be managed in their own way. I get it. We're all a part of a team. And I understand that. And as a team, we will fight and claw our way to victory in however way possible. But at the end of the day, Steve, a quarterback and his mentality is different to a wide receiver, which is different to an offensive lineman, which is different to a running back. And they all need to be coached differently. His role as head coach is to get the most out of his players. And right now, as we speak today, December twenty third, two thousand and twenty. I am pretty confident in saying I don't know if he understands how to best get uh, the, or how to how to get the most out of his how to, out of his quarterbacks. And and you know what? I'll throw wide receivers in there as well. And and here's my problem: when Utah gets a lead, they result to one thing: running the football. And that's great. If you have an offensive line that can move nine guys out of a box, run the football. The fact is Utah doesn't. Utah's got a good offensive line. But my goodness, I don't know many teams out there, if any, that when, when, when defenses throw nine guys in the box and play press man coverage on the outside with both safeties dropping down to protect the run game, it, it, you're just not going to be able to run the football all that well. Uh, you, you have to be able to mix it up. And I understand turnovers lose you games. And when you, when you have a lead and it's in the fourth quarter and you've got eight minutes to go and you're up by 10 points, you want to burn as much time off the clock as possible. But on second and three, instead of running it, picking up two yards and then having third and one, which is an obvious run situation, why not just p- try pick up the second and three right there? Throw a mesh wrap, throw a slant route, a five yard out, whatever the case, a small intermediate. You have Britton Covey and Brant Keithy for crying out loud. Two of the best receivers In the conference, at at finding space and getting open within that three to ten yard radius, utilize them and their strengths. And 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 again, I don't want to end this on a bad note, but it's just it's just my opinion. Until I see a quarterback under Kyle Whittingham that looks like the real deal, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I just can't because I'd be doing myself a disservice. My credibility's on the line as a journalist, and I'm not going to go out there and say Cam Rising's the best quarterback since Tyler Huntley or Brian Johnson or Alex Smith because it's so hard, apparently, to play the quarterback position and to play it well under Kyle Whittingham. And that's just the bottom line. And I don't, I don't think many people out there are going to disagree with me. Um, but I just want, I just want to try and not set the expectations so bloody high ahead of 2021 for these four-star quarterbacks that are coming in. It's exciting, and I'm excited just as much as the next guy is. But at the end of the day, come game time, the Utah quarterback has to produce when the going gets tough and the tough gets going. And it hasn't happened a ton. In the Pac-12 era, you look at Alex Smith. Brian Johnson, Mike, come on, let's be real. They're playing against Army. They're playing against San Jose State. Like, the, the, different worlds. It's big boy football. It's Pac-12 football right now. Every single week, you have to be ready to go. And back when Alex John, Alex Smith and Brian Johnson were playing, the chances were Utah was up by 50 points anyway anyway. And on second and three, with eight minutes left, if they ran the football and then ran it again on third and one and got stuck, it didn't matter because you were up by five scores. That's not the case anymore, Steve. You're probably only going to be up by 10 points, maybe two touchdowns. And with eight minutes, that's still plenty of time for the other team to come back and and pinch a victory. So uh, that that's, that's just, I guess, my two cents on the quarterback position. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Sure. Uh, because I, I just don't think Carl Whittingham's proven that yet. And and to be honest, I think that's how Utah takes the next step, Steve.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I think one thing that we learned from Tyler Huntley is that um, you know, when, when Whittingham trusts you, I think there's there's more of a willingness to allow the quarterback to make uh, to to take control of the game. I think his twenty nineteen season um was I think the ideal type of season for, for a quarterback under Kyle Whittingham. It's not going to be prolific, right? We're not going to see 300 yards a game averaged. We're not going to see, you know, four or five passing touchdowns a game under Kyle Whittingham. I think, I think most fans understand that. But I think what you'll see uh, from a quarterback that is performing well under Kyle Whittingham, under a team led by Kyle Whittingham, uh, is, a, is a quarterback averaging 230, 240 yards. Uh, is efficient, uh, is getting the job done, will capitalize on opportunities when they're there. And I think that's honestly like you want a quarterback. <laughs> like it sounds so simple, but you, you just want a quarterback that can get the, the ball to his to his skill players, to his receivers, right? And I think that was kind of the the issue this year and, and what kind of boggled, bottled the offense up was just that there was a lack of execution, which kind of limited the playbook. And then you're, you're kind of seeing the same things over and over. And it's just, it's, it's a spiral effect when, you know, you've got a quarterback that you, you're already, you don't have a lot of confidence in and and that's on Kyle Whittingham. Like it starts there and I'm with you there, Tom, I, I agree. Uh, but, again, the quarterback's got to come in and he's got he's to execute. He's got to capitalize on the opportunities that are there. But I do think, um, you know, you, you make a good point that just because Utah is adding a lot of talent doesn't mean things are drastically going to change on offense and to expect a high-profile passing attack. Like, that's not going to be it at all. You want a guy that's going to be efficient, that can get the guy to the receivers, where we don't see Solomon Eden as, you know, Throwing a fit because he's wide open for the tenth time in a game and you miss him like we just need a quarterback that can you know can go through his progressions and get the guys the ball and and keep the passing game a, a viable threat right like that's the thing to balance out defenses and to take advantage of the dude you've got in the backfield and Ty Jordan you need the passing game to at least be a threat. Uh, to to keep defenses honest, and I think that's like as simple as it sounds. Like, and and the fact that we have to t- to make the point about this with Utah football, it's frustrating because they should just be able to get these quarterbacks in the program and and turn them out and in doing those these types of things. But uh, but I think they're at a place now where they realize that they had an opportunity to load up with Charlie Brewer and Jaquinta Jackson. It kind of just came together, really, really really nicely where you have the opportunity to bring these guys in. And so you're going to bring them in. You're going to bring in Peter Costelli, uh, who the staff is very, very high on still like, and you're going to get these guys reps and you're going to allow the cream to rise to the top and be the best man win, obviously. But I think Whittingham Ludwig, they realize with Ty Jordan in the backfield that they need to keep defenses honest to take advantage of his full talents and his ability.
0: Here's what here's what these quarterbacks need to be excited about, and, and you know what? It, it may be one of the more, it may be one of the biggest reasons so many decided to come to Utah because you look at Utah historically and you go, uh, quarterbacks have struggled. Like Tyler Huntley was good, but kept getting injured, um and he really wasn't like all that great until his senior year, and then he kind of imploded and. Or well, exploded, I should say, not imploded, but uh, very accurate, really good at going through his progressions. You name it. He, I mean, he had a Heisman campaign. He was good. He was never going to win the Heisman, but he had a he had a campaign. And now he's getting some reps when Baltimore blow out opponents. He's he's playing for the Baltimore Ravens. So he's like he's a good quarterback. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I love Travis, my my, my good pal Travis. I love and miss Travis Steely he, He's out there in California. But let's be frank. I mean, Travis didn't have as good of a career as he probably should have. He had four offensive coordinators. he had four different playbooks he was constantly learning and it just didn't work out for him and, and and that's a waste because I think Travis was a talent that um that needed to be utilized better I guess what what I'm getting at here, Steve, is um i, I find it funny that and i'm not I, I'm not necessarily asking for you to comment on this because I do have a, another question for you, but you know Peter Costelli signed last week and then a couple of days later. Uh, two four-star quarterbacks commit. Uh, I feel sorry for for Peter Castelli in that regard because uh, you know he's probably licking his chops, thinking he's got Cam Rising to deal with, and he's only a freshman. Now it might take him some time to get going, but now he's got a, a rather large and deep quarterback room to uh, to navigate through. But but nonetheless, we'll see what happens. Uh, may the best man win. My my question, Steve, would be uh, to transition ever so slightly. The, the, the transfers that are occurring, not yeah. not just coming in, I, I'm more talking about the transfers that are leaving. And and I guess my question would be, um, the NCAA is expected to announce a one-time free transfer policy sometime in January if they haven't already. And I've heard that, by the way, from a number of different sources. So I am rather confident that, that that's taking place. Uh, is that the reason, do you think, uh, that that we we are seeing so many transfers, or is it deeper than that? Is there a – oh, I hate saying this, but is there a cultural concern at the University of Utah? And, and, look, the reason I ask that, Steve, is because they decided not to play in a bowl game, okay, which means they're probably tired, fed up, and ready to go home. Now, there is a pandemic, and maybe that plays a big role, but, but I'm just – I'm throwing it out there. Is there a cultural issue or concern – at the university of utah which would suggest that they didn't want to play in a bowl game and to go an extra step they're leaving the program because how many transfers have we seen now or how many utah football players have we seen enter the transfer portal it's got to be seven eight with more to come i imagine
1: uh yeah i'll, uh, I'll pull it up right now the number that we've got but uh you know it's interesting i i the guys that have entered the transfer portal none of them have really come as a surprise when you look at who they've yeah. signed in the signing class and the guys that you know are also coming in you know and you're talking about the the running back position with the emergence of of Ty Jordan like it makes sense that upperclassmen are going to want to look for opportunities elsewhere and really that's kind of the case here when you go up and down the roster. I mean, we're talking defensive line. Utah's got a lot of young talent in the program. You know, guy like Tennessee Pututau, uh was was playing really well at the end of the season, and he's he's going to be a fresh. He's a freshman this year. He's going to be a freshman next year. You've got other guys like uh, Aliki Vamahi still in the program. You got Tanoa Togiai. All of these guys are, are big defensive linemen that that are are you know. Are going to demand time on the playing field because they're going to, you know, bring a a a lot of talent to the field, and so you know it's tough seeing guys transfer like a Peter Tonga in particular because he is such a a Utah guy uh, and a Utah man. Like it, it sucks to see these guys leave. Jordan Wilmore, Devin Brumfield, T.J. Green. It sucked to see those guys transfer, but. Again, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that you've got young guys that have taken over at their positions, uh, and and I think that's kind of what we've seen so far. Now, if we start to see other transfers, um, you know, at positions where it, it may not make a lot of sense from a depth chart standpoint, then yeah, I think the question uh, becomes a little bit a little bit larger. It comes in. You know, it becomes more of a focus, more of a, a talking point. But you know, as it stands right now, I think most of these transfers come as a result of of the depth chart and the guys in the in the group at their positions, and the young guys kind of taking control of of the snaps, of the looks, and practice, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, um, and and I want to also add, Steve, that um, I I don't think there's a cultural concern at the University of Utah. I, I do think. That the University of Utah does a great job at um, how do I how do I word this? Because I was going to say throwing things under the rug, but that's probably not the best way to go about it. But look, they they keep things in house. You know, at the end of the day, the the program's not perfect. Right, right, right. Yeah. My goodness, things happen within that program, whether whether it be uh, players fighting in the locker room um coaches players getting after each other like what whatever it is you know I, I don't know but i've seen i've seen enough uh to know that the program itself is not perfect there are 120 players fighting for very few positions uh there's a lot of adrenaline there's a lot of testosterone uh that that, that that's flying around you know and and so yeah things happen um but things happen on, at every program um I think Utah is a really solid program that has a really solid foundation. I also think the program is demanding now I guess i I don't really know if it's a good or a bad thing because the game of football is an incredibly demanding sport uh, physically and mentally you 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 have to be solid I think we get to an interesting Chapter of college football, Steve, where there are more players transferring, and the transfer portals get to a point now where look, there just has to be some sort of protocol regulation to control it because it's there, there are so many kids in the portal. Not all of them, in fact, most of them probably aren't going to get picked up, um, which is which is a worry. To add oh. to that, I, I think Sorry. that. Uh-huh. No, you're good, man. I, I'm, I'm trying to spit this out in the most politically correct way possible. Um, yeah. But I think we get to a point where these kids are having more responsibility. Um, and I don't know if coaches like that a ton. But at the end of the day, this is, this is the bottom line. Carl Woodingham makes three, four million bucks a year. For how much work the kids put in, the players, they're basically on minimum wage. They, 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 get a, they get a check of about $1,300 a month um, to put in their pocket. Now they get free school, and that's great. That's dandy. They don't have, they don't have student debt, which is great, and I'm not complaining. But, you know, I, I think there is um, a bit of a difference there when it comes to how the coach views the program and how the players view the program. I think the coach views it as a job, which he needs to because there's a lot of money on the line. You need to win football games to maintain job security. The Players are there, and I hate to break it to, the, to college football fans, the players are there to play on Sunday because that's where the bread's at. Okay, That's where the loaf is. The dollar signs rain on Sundays in the NFL. And, and, and kids go to college to, to hopefully one day pursue that dream. But you, you understand there's this, there's this mighty difference between a coach's perspective and a player's perspective. And when the coach demands so much and the players now start to – to gain a little bit more responsibility and a little more say on how things operate. I mean, we're entering, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, we're entering dicey times in the game of college sports, specifically college football. And I think over the next couple of years, it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out because uh, it could get ugly. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. it. It really could. There's a reason Urban Meyer doesn't want anything to do with coaching college football again. There's a reason for that. There's a reason Chris Peterson left the University of Washington, and you could argue in the prime of his career, he was just getting started there. They were doing really good things up there in Seattle, Washington, and Chris Peterson just threw in the towel. You have to question why these big-time coaches are just leaving the game entirely. It's because things are getting weird out there. And I've spoken to enough people now that have either coached or are currently coaching where I know that it's it's weird and uh, and something needs to give, something will give, and it's going to happen soon, Steve.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's it's going to be wild to kind of see how all of this plays out because, you know, you're talking about the transfer portal where, you know, even last year before, before any of this pandemic stuff and this eligibility stuff, came into play, there were already 1,200, 1,400 guys that had entered the portal that did not have a home, did not have a new school to go to. And now you're talking about what's going to happen with this eligibility freeze and, and guys potentially looking at opportunities elsewhere to enter the portal. And they're not, a lot of guys are going to enter that. They're not going to find a, a place to go. And that's scary. And I think that's kind of the thing is the, the players do have more power right? And I think this is what the changes to the transfer protocols and they were the right changes. They were absolutely the right changes because a lot of guys would transfer and they would lose opportunities to go places where they wanted, uh, where they had relationships because coaches are petty and they blocked, they would block players from going to certain schools, certain institutions because they're petty. And uh, the, the changes to the transfer protocols took away that. And so, uh, it gave players power and you know for the most part uh, they've they've utilized that power but like you said Tom with that power comes you know like like Peter Parker's uh, grandfather always says like with with great power comes great responsibility and that's kind of what the, the players have to realize is like yes you do have the freedom to leave and to transfer but you've got to really sit down and weigh your options and weigh what's going to be uh, the best situation for you. You know, I think there's a lot of concern that certain guys, certain position groups like receiver uh, guys are, are looking to transfer. And, I, you know, you got to look at it if you're Brian Thompson and Solomon Enos, you're starting for a Pac-12 team um, that, you know, lost its number one quarterback this season and, and kind of had to work through it with a guy – brand new to the program, didn't have a spring ball, didn't have a fall camp, a traditional fall camp where he can kind of work through things, didn't have that. And so you you went through it this year, and you got to really think, are you going to find a better opportunity somewhere else where you've now got to compete in a, in a new school and under a new coach and a new playbook? Like, I think that's kind of the thing here is a lot of guys are going to weigh their options. Um, decisions may be made later on. We don't know. But, but for the most part, I think the Kyle Whittingham and his staff have done a good job of kind of laying it out for, for the team and, and, and letting them know, like, this is what you guys are, are facing if you enter the portal. And so we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, yeah. but you know, we'll, we'll yeah. see.
0: Hey, before we get out of here, um, and I do want to quickly touch on after this, you know, what we plan on doing next year and, you know, the conversations that, the that that we plan on having so on and so forth, but uh, it's probably worth noting um, congratulations to Carl Brennan. He was the chief operating officer. He was also the uh, deputy athletic director. He'd been at Utah for 12 years. He started in 2008. It's not the first time he's accepted an athletic director position on May 2nd, 2016. He was announced as Montana state university's athletic director only for eight days later, to back out of the job uh, It just wasn't the right fit for him But he's decided Illinois State In a small town of about 53,000 population Normal Illinois Out there in the flats of, uh, of Illinois uh, He's going to take over The Illinois State Fighting Redbirds I believe they're, t- they're they're called But I'm not entirely sure They're an F I always get this confused. They're an FCS team. They're a championship team. So they compete in uh, like the Weber States of the world. Um, and that's, I, I look, I think that's exciting. He handled a ton up at the yeah. university of Utah. He really did. And, and and what I love about Carl is he's personable. He's great with boosters. He he understands the right way to go about things. Uh, and look, let's be frank too. He's, he's also had pretty good mentors. Dr. Chris Hill was, was successful. Mark Carlin's been a treat up there at the at Utah, so he's had great people to learn from, and I'm excited to see what he's capable what he is capable of doing out there in Normal, Illinois, for uh, Illinois State University. So I just look. I figured it's very very few people I'm sure that listen to this probably aware of even what Carl's responsibilities were, and that's okay. But just know that that he did play a significant role within the the athletic department, and uh, and he will be sorely missed um Steve you have any words you want to share for Kyle or I do
1: did I, no, I you know I you did, know I didn't know I I didn't do uh I, I I don't know Kyle Brennan all that well like you do like I know you've got a good relationship with Kyle and and you know but this is good for Kyle to get out and spread his wings a little bit he's been at Utah for, for quite some time and he's done a lot to further um yeah, uh, the program for the Utah athletics, and so this is great for him to get out there and spread his wings. So, you know, I I don't know Kyle, but I wish him all the best. And uh, I know, you know, with him and his time at Utah, he's going to do great things out there at Illinois State.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Hey, uh, so so we're gonna take next week off. We'll be back at the, in the new year. Happy oh. holidays. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Look, I'm going to pester the living daylights out of Paul Kirk, who I know listens to this podcast, the SID, up there at the University of Utah. Paul, if you're listening, just be prepared. I'm going to bombard your cell phone with request after request after request. It's now time. This podcast takes the next step, and we involve the powers that be up there on the hill. We, we need to speak to the people that make decisions, whether that be Mark Harlan, whoever the the assistant athletic director is, we want Kyle Whittingham, the coaching staff and the players. Uh, and, and we deserve that, I think. And the fans deserve it. And so I'm going to pester Paul Kirk uh, for as long as needed to, to just get people on this podcast, especially considering the off season's long. Uh, and at the end of the day, there just isn't a ton to talk about. So we want to hear stories. We, we, we It's all fun and games. We're not going to, we're not going to get you into trouble, Paul. Uh, but I hope you listeners out there, if, if you're a fan of this show, um, we can do that for you because you deserve it. At the end of the day, you've stuck with us through, through all the days and, and hours of, of this thing. Um, and we're approaching an off season, which none of us like. But we're going to do everything we can to give you your fix of, of Utah football and Utah athletics. So, uh, Steve, my man, uh, I hope you survive Christmas. I hope you figure out what to get. Thank you, my man. In Kendra, because I know you've been slammed the last week or two. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And 2021 uh, is going to be good, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Let's cross our fingers, bro. 2021, Here we come
0: about to get weird thanks guys we really do love and appreciate you tuning in happy holidays we'll see you next year
1: a gun in the face then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up they pointed their guns at me and this is the point where i thought